Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm very excited for today's episode with Victoria Garrick Brown. I think that you're going to really love everything that she has to say. We talk about everything from marriage to feeling good about your body, being mature for your age, her story with her now husband, Taylor Swift, obviously. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. I'm not going to do a solo beforehand because we had a full solo episode on Sunday, which hopefully you listen to. And if you haven't, definitely check it out. And I'm excited for you to hear Victoria. Hey, guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Victoria Garrett Brown. Hey, Victoria. Hi, I'm so pumped to be here, too. I feel like I know so many people who are obsessed with We Met at Acme and they've been telling me I need to listen. I need to meet you. I need to swap. So the day has come. I feel the same way about you. I feel like I've had your friends on the podcast. I've just been talking like you have just come up so many times, especially in the Dear Meter world. So I'm really happy that we are doing this. And I have a first and foremost question before I ask you how old you are and where you're from. Because we both recently got married. Congratulations, by the oh, way. Thanks, you too. And I noticed that you're going by your married name. And I need to know the thought process behind that because I am too, but only in like personal circles, yeah. you know, but in professional world, I'm like, I'm Lindsay Metzler till the day I die. So tell me how you came to your decision. Okay. So many thoughts on this. And I'm so glad you asked because my mind has changed multiple Mm -hmm. times to get me where I am now. I was pretty against it in the beginning. I was like, I'm Victoria Garrick. You know, I made a name for myself. I, everything I've done has Garrick on it. I was an athlete. So I think especially with last names, you're very attached to your last name. And so I didn't think that I would want to switch. And then as we were engaged, I was just kind of like, messing around and I made a few reservations under like Victoria Brown and was playing with it a little bit and I kind of just started to like it and I also of course when you're getting like a a gift from your friends the jacket or the purse and it says Mrs. Brown even if you're not changing your name you know it's just cute they do it anyways but I started to be like wait I kind of really like it and Brown's an amazing last name actually one time the hostess at a restaurant was like Victoria Brown is like a movie star name. And I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. thank you. So I would be lying if I said I wasn't thinking of that. But honestly, at the end of the day, what really was the tide turning for me is just this like 
idea of unity. And I like to feel like Max and I are under one umbrella. And obviously, I'm a feminist. So I understand the pushback of, well, why his umbrella? Why his last name? He could have taken yours. Because if neither last name was attached to us, Brown is the better last name. It's a freaking color. Like, it's a great last name. If his last name was some shitty ass last name that no one could spell and it was ugly, I probably would have never taken it. But like, when I think about a name, I, I think it's a great name. So, I mean... So so that's why I lean towards his. He, he didn't pressure me. I could have done whatever I wanted. I'm hyphenating it for a while as Victoria Garrick Brown because everything I've ever done is under Garrick. So if I just dropped Garrick, then, you know, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be searchable. But I did change my TikTok and my Instagram handles to Victoria Brown because I, I just wanted to. I literally just changed my mind. I wanted to. I wanted to be Brown. I wanted to be the same as him. And... I'm very happy about it. I have no regrets. I was very worried in the beginning. If I did it, will I regret it? Like literally, Lindsay, my mind just changed. And there's probably people listening Mm. like it's not feminist. It's not this or that. It's internalized. What? Whatever. It's not that deep for me. Like I wanted to have the same last name as his. I like his last name better. I changed mine. (laughs) I don't think it's anti-feminist at all. I actually love the way that you word it as like you wanted to be the same. And I actually, that's like almost convincing to me. I'm like, oh, damn. Like I want people to see his name and be like, oh, his wife, you know, same last name. So that's, that's really interesting. That's definitely something to think about. I just had to ask that because I noticed it because I was like, I had followed you as Victoria Garrick. And then when I went to search you, I was like, oh, who's this? And then I was like, oh, new last name, you know? Yeah. And I was like, need to ask her. So yeah. very interesting. And I love that. And I feel like my career hopefully is going to be m- more than half as long as it has been lived already. So I'm kind of like, I know there's so much I'm going to do for the rest of my life that as much as it's kind of a jarring switch now to my audience in the long run, it the hopefully if I can continue to grow and expand my business, the majority of people will always just know me as Victoria Brown. Yeah, agreed. Love that. Okay, now backing up. Victoria, how old are you and where are you from? I'm 25. I'm from Northern California, born in Chicago, but raised in NorCal. I love it. You are such a mature 25 year old. Like I cannot explain to you. I'm sure you've gotten this a million times. The way that I was not able to even speak at 25. (laughs) Like, I feel like I literally learned to talk when I was 28. Like the fact that you have a podcast, the fact that you were a D1 athlete, the fact that you are married, like, and you, and I don't, I don't, I'm not assuming you never question any of that, you know, but like, you seem so confident about all of it as a 25 year old is amazing. Like it's so inspiring. I think to so many of our listeners. Thanks. And you can question it. You can ask me anything. I will not get offended. But I've always been told my whole life I'm mature. When I was younger, I always had friends who were older girls. I don't know. I just have this thing about me where I'm very sure of myself. I think that's something my best friends will say about me and have said about me. Like, I was not someone you could peer pressure. No, no, no. Like, when I was even in mm-hmm. like fifth grade, sixth grade, I wasn't about to do something I didn't want to do or that I didn't believe in or, or, or feel excited about. Like, So I've just been very sure of myself and it's, I think, allowed me to to seem mature. I don't want that to get confused with me thinking I know everything about everything because I don't. And I pride myself on wanting to always be curious and stay hungry to learn and grow and change. And I think I, even though I do have a baseline of maturity and like high self-worth, 
I definitely have been through things and and grown a lot. So it's interesting. But it is like my baseline is like I'm very sure of myself, which I think comes off as maturity. Definitely. Definitely. And obviously my next question has to be, when's your birthday? (laughs) April 30th, 97. I'm a Taurus. Love it. I knew you were a Taurus. Like I just felt that Taurus. I don't know anything about that. So tell me what a Taurus is, please. I have no idea. I mean, it depends on the rest of your chart, but (laughs) Taurus are very loyal, very dependable, like hardworking. They like security and like nice things. And like they like to indulge. They're very good at self-care. Wow. That kind of stuff. All of that tracks. Um, I actually, for some reason, I had looked up like Taurus memes the other day because I saw someone post Scorpio memes and I was like, I wonder what Taurus memes are. And I saw one that was like a Taurus apologizing. I've done nothing and that's the end of it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's the stubbornness. And I will say I try so hard to take accountability and apologize, whether it's with Max or friends, but it it can be very hard for me. Like I'll have to like literally take a breath, swallow my freaking pride and be like, okay, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Going back to Max, your husband, when is his birthday? He's February 2nd. 95 oh, Aquarius. And I once looked up our compatibility or something and it said it was like really bad, which shocks me because we're the same person. I mean, that's why this stuff like I want to buy in and sometimes it sounds spot on, but then other times it's so wrong. Well, so technically, right? Aquarius and Taurus are not compatible. Technically, Libra and Cancer, my husband, are not compatible. I don't believe in the compatibility of the signs because it's like the rest of the chart, but I actually think you should date a sign you're not compatible with. We have a whole episode on that. So if you are curious about it, I'll send it to you after the fact. But I don't want to spend too much time on that because we have so many (laughs) questions to get to. You mentioned that you are and have always been sure of yourself, which is an amazing, amazing quality. But then I know you've also been really open about struggles that you've had, like an eating disorder and, you know, You've been with your husband now for a long time, right? Like Yeah, over 6 years. Over 6 years. How has that well, First of all, how does that come into play when you're so, you know, sure of yourself? Where does the where does that go when it comes to eating and and how you feel about the way that you look? Well, it's a great question. I think there's a difference for me in terms of I'm sure about myself in the sense that I know I'm hardworking. I know if I put my mind to something, I'll get it done. But that doesn't overlap into like me at 18 thinking my body's perfect and I'm the hottest ever and nothing needs to change. It was almost like my sureness was I need to look a certain way and I have to achieve this. You mm. know, like I think it 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 contributed to the negative side because it fueled this need to restrict, weigh a certain number, look a certain way. So I I think that nuance is important because it's not like my sureness at that point was not, oh, I'm perfect the way that I am, or I should accept my body, or it's okay if I eat this and don't eat that, which is how I am now. And it's funny because my best friend will joke, like my personality, she's like, I'm so glad you kind of went through your struggles and had the 180 that you did, because if not, I think there's another alternate universe where 
the version of me who never got help or was courageous enough to be honest would be like selling skinny me teas and like promoting diet culture. Like I think my aunt, my arch nemesis is like a version of myself that could have veered down that path with ferocity. And I'm so grateful that I'm on the complete opposite path, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. But how did you get there? I mean, if someone's listening and they're struggling with eating, just like an eating disorder or just disordered eating generally, thinking that they should look a certain way and they don't, um, restricting, binging, all of the things. What are some things that that maybe helped you get to a better place with it? So I wish that I could give a, you know, magic pill or say a quote or give a little fix they could do tonight that would make all their problems go away. And the tough thing about mental health issues and mental illness and, and any sort of struggle like that is it does take time reps, lots of energy, lots of mistakes and obstacles and things like that. But if I had to just give some guiding points, I mean, I think the number one thing is to speak it, you know, is to voice what's going on, whether it is to a therapist or psychologist, which is the best thing you could do. But if you don't have access to that, you know, a loved one, a friend, a partner, a parent, like someone in your life, because I love Brene Brown. Do you love, do you like Brene Brown? Love, She's the best. Love. And she talks about shame and she says that shame fuels on silence and secrecy and judgment. And when we keep what we're struggling with to ourselves and we say, no one else is feeling this way, it's so disgusting and embarrassing that I eat all this food at night in the dark or you know, I'm the only one who feels depressed and no one else does. I should just shut up about it. Like you're, you're fueling that shaming voice. The minute that you say to someone, I'm struggling with this, or I need help with this. It's like you, the people, when people say a weight lifts, it's true because it's like that shame and that judgment, it's dissolving because there's someone on the other side who's like, okay, that's, that's okay. That makes sense. Or I've been through that too. Or here's how we can help you. So I'd say number one, the number one thing that even put me on the path of possibly changing was reaching out. A few other things in your environment is everything. Your environment is everything. So if you're trying to better your body image, but you follow every bikini account, every supermodel, every diet page, like it's contradicting the environment you're trying to create. So unfollow those accounts. If you have a toxic friend who every time you guys get lunch, she's on her new diet. I eat this. I don't eat that. Or do this diet with me. That's toxic. And that's not going to help you as you're trying to heal. So I think like an an environment check and really sifting through what's serving you, what's not, what's supporting you. I mean, there were a variety of things that I did. Like I stopped getting in photos with my friends because that was like triggering for me. I don't want to be in a photo with five other girls. And then I have to look at it and see who looks best, who's posting it. I don't like it. Like I would just kind of avoid those situations for a little bit while I was working on myself. I stopped looking in the full body mirror every single morning and criticizing myself. You know, I took a stake at what are my habits and my patterns? Where am I trying to go? And then what adjustments can I make to help get myself there? So I think at a high level, like those are probably two things that anyone could maybe take and apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. And that's so true about like the environment. And it's hard to control that, right? Like I was at dinner with a girlfriend the other night, actually in LA, and we were just having like a catch up. And she was like, oh, you know, telling me about a, a new like fast that she tried. And she was completely harmless. She was not like trying to, you know, mind you, we're like at this 
dinner about to go hard on like burgers and pasta. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> and she's coming off this fast where like she lost eight pounds from it. And, and like, I'm certainly not, you know? Right. And I also like, I don't want to know about these fasts. Like it's almost like ignorance is bliss in this exact situation. Like I don't need to know what like thing that I could do that's like going to put my body in like a disarray just to lose like eight pounds. Like what's the, what, why do I want to know that? You know, but it's so hard because unless like you actively sit down and you're like, I don't bring up any fast, you know, it's like, how are you supposed to control what comes out of anyone else's mouth? You're not, for, but it's, it's hard. For sure. And I have so many thoughts on this. I think the first one is like the way that it's so normalized in female conversations and it, and it is because there's just this general idea that every woman is always trying to lose weight, always trying to be healthier, always trying to look better. So it's like when it comes up in conversation, it's that conditioning of like, oh, of course, like everyone is interested. Everyone wants to know because we're all trying to lose weight. We're all trying to stay skinny. We're all trying to like, you know, look our best. So I think that's like an interesting, like high level assessment is that's like the the deep seated reason that I think it services a lot. But then secondly, you know, yeah, it's like you don't want to be at dinner with your friend you probably haven't seen in a while in LA and be like, actually, I'm not comfortable with that. Like, you know, it's going to make the dinner awkward and she's going to feel like you've confronted her. So I totally get that. And I think in those situations, it can be quick changes in conversation. Like, so sorry to interrupt you. What are you going to order? Or, oh my gosh, hold that thought. I've got to pee go pee, come back. Oh, this story from the bathroom or, oh, like, I think we can, we cannot like ask questions and like prolong it in a, in a sneaky way where they don't think anything of it. And we're just like changing the subject. So I think that's something that's helpful. But if, if there is, if someone's listening and they're like my best friend in the world, it's my best friend in the world. So like, there's not a world where I'm not friends with this person and I can't possibly you know, change the conversation every single time we're on FaceTime. So that's where I do think it is okay to have a conversation. And I think the sneaky trick here is don't make it about them. Hey, you always bring this up and it's the problem and you trigger me and you this. Instead, just, hey, I want to let you know, I'm really working on like my relationship with food, my self-talk. I'm on this journey to just work more on acceptance and I'm really excited about it. So like, I'll let you know if I come across any great books, like you can make it a you thing so that they don't feel targeted and then they just feel like, oh, here's how I can support or how I can, you know, show that I'm a listening, supportive friend. You know what I mean? I love that. And that goes back to like relationship conversations. It's always like the I, like using the word I, using like the I statements as opposed to being like, you do this and you do that. And I want to get into relationships. I just have a, a one funny comment on the, like everyone thinking that women are always trying to lose weight. Last night I was on a double date with my best friend and her husband. And my husband ordered salmon and her, or I guess it's her fiance still. Um, and her fiance ordered like a chicken paillard and both her and I got pasta and they're bringing the food over and they like basically are about to put the po- two pastas in front of the the boys and give us like the salmon and the chicken paillard. And I was like, wow, everyone is disgusting. My jaws open like, people. I'm, I'm uh-huh. shook it. Right. Like it's just, it's just trash. It's the littlest things. I was on an airplane the other day flying back from something and we all got like our meal on the plane and like I ate mine and I was done. And so I called the flight attendant over. I was like, thanks so much. I handed it to her and she was like, that was so fast. 
And even <gasps> that little thing, like she seemed like a nice person. I don't think there was any negative tone towards it. But like I used to be a binge eater. So you want to see fast, honey? Like, let me pull you a hidden cam video from sophomore year of college. Like, you know, it's just interesting how any little comment about what someone's eating, how they're eating like and I'm fine. I just thought to myself, like, whatever, here's my try. I'm going to go back to my emails. But, you know, that's why I'm such a big fan of just let's not let's quiet the diet. <laughs> yeah, let's. So going back to your relationship, you and your husband have been together for six years. That's a long ass time. Like that's so long. How do you think that? Well, first of all, how did you guys meet? Because I don't know that story and I, I need to we know. We met in college and I actually met him at my very first party I ever went to at USC. I didn't remember meeting him, not because I was drunk. I just met a lot of guys that night. He, of course, remembered meeting the new freshman volleyball players. And he said he thought, you know, I, he, he, I was cute right away. We started to become friends and I always thought he was so fun and I loved hanging out with him. And I I would always go to parties and like, look, where's is Max Brown here? Like, he's always a good time. But I didn't feel like that spark with him for a full year. I literally just hardcore friend zoned him. Some nights when like, I remember one time I went to a party with the intention of getting with this other guy who I had been to an invite with. And of course I get, I show up and he's with some other girl because he's moved on. It's been seven days. What did I think? Two weekends in a row? <laughs> Come on. And I literally was like, I could go sob in the corner and be sad or I can just go have a good night with Max Brown. So Max was always kind of like this guy friend zoned who was kind of like a puppy because he like he loved me and it was very obvious. And I didn't realize how stupid I was being until the summer before my sophomore year. I was at this party talking to one of Max's friends and I was like, oh, yeah, you're friends with Max. And he was like, yeah, and I was like, I love Max. He's great. And he goes, oh, yeah, Max is the best. Max is just one of the best guys I've ever met. Like he wasn't saying it to get me to feel a certain way. This guy just zoned out and was talking about how special Max was. And I was just kind of sitting there nodding like, oh my God, oh my God, Max Brown is the best. Like, like he's like, what have I been doing? Like, I really like him. Like, and I started to get that like feeling. And so I also disclaimer, I came out of high school leaving a very toxic relationship. So I think my entire freshman year, no matter who it was, I did not want a boyfriend. So I think that that played a huge role as well as I wasn't looking for a boyfriend and I, and I did not want one. But now it had been a year of being single, hooking up with different guys. When I say hook up, I mean like I mean, not sex because I'm such a prude, but um, <laughs> that I finally was at a place where I was like ready to have a relationship. And I realized Max was staring me dead in the face and I was being so silly. And then I went over to hang out with him and we kissed and I like didn't even remember the kiss because I had so much butterflies and I just like fell in love right then and there. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. And then because it was college, like I feel like things are different in terms of like dating rules, like things kind of fly out out the window when it comes to college. How long were you guys like hooking up or whatever until you became boyfriend and girlfriend? And how did that conversation go? Yeah, this is so fun for me, Lindsay, because all my content is like so freaking serious that I just need to say I love <laughs> talking about relationship stuff. And I love being on the sh this so show. Happy. But we we had made out at a few different parties like freshman year, not enough that it, we were ever a thing. But so then when we when I went over for that hangout, we were both there for summer workouts. So we both knew we live across the street. We're both here for summer practice and we know we don't have a lot of class. So it was this awkward, like, 
We both know we're doing nothing all day long. And so we later... What sport was he, he doing? He played football at SC and I played volleyball and we were both fall sports. We were there. Hot. It was cute. It was cute for sure. <laughs> and so we literally, I remember the next day, I think it was like, hey, I'm going to be at Galen. Like, are you getting a smoothie? Like we literally hung out for the next like 12 days straight. And at one point I remember saying to him, at one point we were hanging out all day and then it was nighttime. And I was like, should we go to the movies? And he was like, yeah. And then I was like, I tried to give him an out because I was like, what if he doesn't like me? And he's just like, this is awkward because I know she lives across the street and we're both doing nothing. But he he really liked me too. So it was fine. And then we were kind of a thing for like, I want to say like two, two months, maybe three, not longer than three before we were, of course, drunk at a party. Always good to bring this stuff up when there's a little alcohol flowing in the system. And I was like, basically (laughs) like, so am I going to be your girlfriend? And he was like, you basically are. And I was like, well, you haven't like really asked me. And he was like, well, do you want anyone? I was like, no, you can't ask me like drunk in this bar. You have to ask me tomorrow. And he was like, okay. And so then the next morning, we always remember we woke up and it was like dead silent. And I, I woke up like immediately like, so I'm waiting for it. Like, I didn't say anything, but I was just like, I wonder if he remembers the conversation. And then, yeah, he was like, so, you know, are you going to be my girlfriend? And I was like, yes. And I was all excited. Aww. Secured the bag. <laughs> That's so cute. And then how soon after that conversation did I love you's get exchanged? Because you guys were friends for the year before. Yeah. So like you had love for each other already. You might've even been saying, I love you as friends. We So we weren't saying it as friends, but we did say it pretty fast. It came, I think within five, Five months, not longer than that, because we started dating in August and then he had this wild football journey and realized he needed to transfer schools. So he wasn't going to be there after Christmas break. He was transferring to Pittsburgh. And so then we had this, we were faced really early with like, are we doing long distance? Like it got so serious. And it was in one of those conversations where I, we were talking about like, okay, you're moving to Pittsburgh. We just started dating. I'm a sophomore in college. Like, are we going to do this? And he was in like, and I, I knew I loved him. I just, I would not say it first. There's my Taurus energy. I was like, I am absolutely not saying it first. And we were in this, this like intense conversation. And he was like, well, I don't know. And I, and I think I'm going to be leaving on this day. And we just started dating and I love you. And he like said it very fast. And then we both like (sighs) caught eyes because he did it accidentally and I and he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. And I was like, no, I love you too. And so then that was Aww. that was how the, you know, it all got unraveled. <laughs> that is really cute. And so since so obviously it worked out. You obviously did long distance. Were there any breakups and get back together's, or was it like full staying together all the way? There through? There were no breakups and get back together's. We had a very healthy relationship. And Max really established that with me from the start. I said that I was coming off of a like toxic relationship in high school, which I was, you know, that relationship had ons and offs and he, he cheated and I was sure, but then he denied and said he didn't. And then I believed it. Like that was a very toxic relationship. And so I hadn't experienced a healthy one. So when Max and I first started dating and I would be like, yeah, I'm going out to party. And he was like, all right, have a great night. Like text me when you get home. I was like, what? Like, you don't, you're not asking me what guys are going to be there. And you don't, you don't need me to text you while I'm at the party. And I actually thought like, that means you don't care about me. You're not protective because that's what a guy who loved me would do. Like I had this idea of like toxic love. And Max was like, 
no, like, I love you. I trust you. Have a great night with your friends. Why would I want you to be on your phone when you could be present? And just let me know you got home safe. That was so new to me. Also, what was new to me was like how little we texted. Because, you know, in high school, you're just sending paragraphs all day long. And good morning, baby. I hope you have the best day, you know. And so I'm sending Max these long texts. And he's like not giving me long ones back. And I'm just like like so confused and he's like babe he's like you're in season I'm in season I'm with like he's like we have so much going on I don't I love you and I'll feel I'll give you a phone call when I'm walking somewhere but I don't have time to sit and compose like that he was like that's not me so there were a few things that I had to learn which I ended up liking I was like oh my god this feels like a breath of fresh air this is less pressure on me so I'd say that was kind of a big thing I could think about when we went long distance and then lastly like Max was huge on no games like he was just like no games, no passivity, no lying. Like if he says he's going to FaceTime me at five and then he texts me and is like, sorry, I'm running late. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. Like and then that leads. And then by the time he does FaceTime me, we're in this huge fight about it. Like he was just like, we're not doing that. And so I had to learn to say, you know what, babe? I was really looking forward to five. I'm, I've got my makeup on. I've got my dinner ready. We were going to do a FaceTime dinner date. And yeah, it makes me feel like you're not prioritizing me if you push it to 530. That's how I feel. So he really showed me how to communicate. And like, I, I just think it's so funny that like he was teaching me all these things. Yeah, when you think the no, girl I think that's so funny. It. I mean, I kind of, had a similar situation. Like I'm coming off toxic relationship after toxic relationship before meet like being with my husband. And I thought it was like totally normal to like yell during fights and say, and like curse during fights and, you know, say like, fuck you or fuck off. And like, he was like, absolutely not. Like you cannot right, speak right. to me that way at all. Like that is insane. Like that's not okay. And I was like, Oh, really? Like, I literally think I did a poll question the first time he said that to me. And I was like, is it okay to curse during a fight? And everyone was like, no. And I was like, Oh, I'm shocked. Like what else, what do normal people do during hilarious? That's hilarious. No, it's the same thing. I I completely relate. We don't raise our voices. We don't swear. Yeah. But it's a whole, it's a whole new ball game. And it's such a green flag. If you can find a guy or just a partner in general that helps you kind of rework the toxic patterns that you had learned in the past. But you know what's hard for people is they think that the notebook love story like needs to have mm. some toxicity. It needs to have some push and pull. It needs to have, you know, it, it, it's how it's how they say sometimes, oh, butterflies is like means you're anxious, which I think that's like an extreme statement to make. But I understand the point of you know, when you feel safe and like level, you're secure, but you do have to find that person where you feel safe, level and secure, but also attracted to them, motivated by them. You know, you're not like bored of them. There's a big difference, I think, between a healthy relationship and like settling. Do you follow? (laughs) Oh, 100%. I have this thing, which I feel like you'll totally agree with. And my listeners are like rolling their eyes right now because they know exactly what I'm going to say, which is like the 90-10 rule like 90% security in your relationship necessary, right? But that 10% is like what keeps you on your toes. Like 
that you're not just going to like give up on yourself and just sit on the couch for the rest of your relationship because you have it in the bag. Like that 10% makes you like work hard and want to treat your partner well and want to show up and be a good partner to your partner because you know that like you have that 10% insecurity of like, if I don't like they're amazing, you know, like they could be with anyone. And that's not to say that like you shouldn't trust your partner, but it's more like you shouldn't be with someone that you 100% know is not going anywhere because they have nowhere to fucking go. And that's settling. Right, right. I think that is a great point. And it just makes a lot of sense. You know, you you don't, you have to still be the person that like contributes to the relationship. You have to be, you have to be. Okay, I have to talk to you a little bit about one of my favorite subjects, one of my favorite people in the world who is now kind of intertwined in your life or maybe probably has been for a while, our girl Taylor Okay, Swift. great. That's where I hope this was going. I was praying. <laughs> I cannot believe that Taylor Swift acknowledged your existence. She liked your TikTok. And is it true? Did she comment? Because I couldn't yes, find it. She commented on my TikTok of explaining wildest dreams to Max in 2021. And then she liked a video in 2022, which was like a week ago. But the reason the comment's not there is because... No one knows why, but all of her comments that she left on TikTok in 2021 are gone. So we didn't know, like, we don't know. We, this, as in like Swifties everywhere, because I yeah. one day went and I was like, did she delete it? Because I think I'd rather have her never comment on a video than comment and then like delete it. But all right. of her comments were gone, but I have screenshots. So yes. What did she say? She said, some, she said, ha ha ha. I'm laughing so hard. I love you with three cat emojis. <laughs> oh my goodness. She loves you. I know that was crazy. That's life changing. So, and like, how did that make you feel when she liked the most recent one? Cause you were probably like, yeah, she's I'm on her radar. Like she, she already knows me. It's you know? funny you say that. Cause I don't want to get cocky or like ungrateful about it, but I am trying to manifest like some sort of, career interaction with Taylor Swift. So, and I, I love Taylor Swift. Like I'm a huge diehard fan. Like since I was young, actually I was scrolling back on my Instagram today to find something for a TikTok, And like years, 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 years ago, I have posts that are like random, random appreciation posts for Taylor Swift. I love you. Like I'm, that has been through and through my whole life. Everyone who knows me knows I love Taylor Swift, but I will say like, after she commented on the TikTok last year, I obviously know I post a lot of Taylor Swift content. The album was coming out. I've made like 10, 15 plus videos already about the album. It's been a week. Like I I almost felt like if something didn't happen from her, that it was like a failure. So I don't want to say like I was expecting it, but with the videos I was making, like I'm obviously making them for her and I know they're going to yeah. be on her algorithm because I've been on her algorithm before. Yeah, it's about damn time that she acknowledged. <laughs> I'm like, Taylor, sure. we would be best friends, babe. Like, Oh, I mean, I know for a fact that her and I would also be best friends. So maybe like we would all yeah, be best friends we together. We should all hang out. <laughs> Which is, I mean, I'm manifesting that for us 100%. <gasps> and I have to ask because this is like a very new kind of like breaking news Swifty thing. But it is now being said that her song, Bigger Than the Whole Sky, is about a miscarriage that she had that she was not like public about. But this song is like alluding to that. How does that make you feel as a Swifty? Are you like, are you hurting for her the way that 
I am. So I listened to the song the very first time the album came out and I wasn't like picking up on it. I think when I'm first listening to the albums, I'm, I always like close my eyes. I'm on my bed. I have my headphones on and I'm like in the zone, like, and I'm going in order and I'm just listening and I'm kind of enjoying it. And there's so much that I'm thinking about. So I wasn't really like understanding every single lyric because I'm just trying to get the vibe. But then when I went back to it and I was looking at the lyrics, I mean, I think through and through it's about miscarriage. I think my question is, is it hers we don't know. I mean, folklore and evermore, she was very honest about how those were kind of like, like she said, folk tales. So you don't know. Some of them weren't about her. Some of them were. And I know in mm-hmm. the past when she wrote like 15, that was more about her best friend, Abigail. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't know if I am jumping on the bandwagon of this is her experience. But then in all of her promo, she said, these are the songs I wrote late at right, night. Right, it's autobiographical. About me, mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. And if she's been through that, you know, something I'll say is like, I, what I think about is I'm such a hopeless romantic. And I, the reason why I love Taylor Swift and I did growing up is her beautiful way of like illustrating fairy tales and romance and that perfect person. And it's so beautiful. And so I, I will think about like, She's not married. She doesn't have kids. Yet a lot of what she cared about in a lot of her early songs and still now are relationships and love. So, you know, I don't, there's so much. This is why like, and I think also I love her and everyone loves her because like, it's such a mystery. I'll always think to myself, like, what is Taylor Swift doing right now? She doesn't post snap story updates. She doesn't post, even if she posts TikToks, it's in like a, the corner of a room where you can't even see where she is. Like there's so much mystery that mm. I don't know. There's like, it's so open-ended. What Do you think yeah. it's about her miscarriage? I don't know. I think, so I know that she has written songs about her friends' experiences, like for her friends who have gone through things. So it's possible that, yeah, maybe it was a friend's experience, but I do think I could see her being into the idea of having a child because it seems from the merit from the album that she's like not super gung ho about marriage, but she seems like the kind of person if we, if I can guess again, I don't obviously know her personally that does want a family. Joe seems like her life partner. Yeah. So I don't think it's that far fetched. The idea that she would, she also was spending obviously tons of time at home in a pandemic. I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world that she was trying to have a baby and had a miscarriage just because miscarriages are way more common than many people. Right. And an anti-hero, she said, I have a dream, my daughter-in-law, AKA like, so then you would have a kid who would get married. Like, which I think, you know, it's like, I agree with you. She does strike me. And I'd say the evidence would say as someone who wants to get married and wants to have kids, I hesitate to say it because I know we live in a society where we're, 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 we want to steer away from assuming a woman, can't be happy in the later years of her life without those two things. But with Taylor Swift, everything she's saying and sung to this point, like would make, would put me on the 50% of she would want those things. So I don't know, but I hope that whatever she wants, she gets it. (laughs) Me too, girl. Me too. And then lastly, and then I want to get into some questions from our readers in your own words are on this sexy journey to heal your relationship with your body And I wonder, 
I guess it's a two-part question. One, like how involved is your husband in how you feel about yourself and the eating stuff? And like, does he kind of like let you deal with that or is he more involved? And then we'll get to this the part two. So in terms of, so yes, I'm on what I'm calling a sexy journey. I feel like I did actually my boudoir shoot. Did you do a boudoir shoot? I didn't, but I have this like, private wedding Instagram that I started when I was getting married. And everyone always asked me to ask like the followers who to use for their boudoir shoot. I'm like, what the fuck Well, I have the best photographer that I can give you to shout (laughs) out for them. But like, what do you do? You're just like naked in different positions. Um, And like, how do you not feel weird about it? I didn't do mine naked. I did mine in (laughs) different sexy lingerie outfits, some more revealing than others. The reason why is because I needed to get it printed and you you the place I was using, you can't like submit nudes for them to print. It's like a family company. But okay. but you're basically, I mean, like when you said, how is it not awkward? Like for me, I mean, I feel like everyone does want to do a photo shoot where they feel like super hot and they love the look of it. And so I wanted to do that. I also wanted to give it to Max. I knew he had no idea what it was and it'd be like a really fun gift to give him. And so I knew I wanted to do one and I did it and it was great. So I highly recommend. And the boudoir shoot, as much as it was intended to be a gift for Max, it was a really awakening experience for me because I'd never just like gotten in tune with feeling sexy and believing I'm sexy. A lot of the reason is because when I was recovering from my eating disorder, I really like dissociated from my body. It was my body's the least interesting thing about me. I'm not gonna look in the mirror. Like how my body looks, I don't care about it. Like it's more accepting my body for what it is. And that helped me heal from my issues with food and body image. But it drove a wrench between my ability to feel like at one with myself and in tune with like sexuality and feeling sexy. So I'm trying to get back into that now. And I'm just releasing a podcast episode on this. I just solo. But Max is, is, he's not in it. And I'll say this. I thought that a lot of the problem was him or us. And I'd be like, I need you to initiate. I need you to say this. I need, like, I need, I need this from you. And I'm a hundred percent good and rocking. (laughs) Wait, not me realizing how much of a tourist I am throughout this whole interview. But (laughs) I, I then said to him recently, I'm sorry, because it has nothing to do with you. I said, it's my own thing. I have I won't allow myself to feel sexy, to feel dominant, to feel confident in that way. And I have to overcome my own hurdles because Max is there, loves me no matter how I look, so supportive. Like I feel so comfortable with him. It's me. I won't let myself be comfortable with myself. So that's what I'm working on right now. Yeah. And that's what it is like 10 out of 10 times. It's it's me. I'm the yeah, problem. it's me. It's Hi, me. I'm the problem. No, to- <laughs> so true. I guess. Yeah, and I uh, and I, it was so easier true. for me to say, "Oh no, it's it's something you're doing," but it was just me, and it's yeah. But you do need your partner to create a safe environment for you to, you know, explore yourself. And I think something that's big for me is like just no judgment, like being judged. I'm sensitive to that, so. I think in relationships, letting your partner know like what you, whether they're involved in whatever Mm. you're doing or not, your journey. Yeah. It's like, I can't have you judging or giving commentary unless I ask for it. And I'm very, very vocal about that. Oh my God. Me too. I like, I try to be healthy a lot of the time, but most of the time I eat like a five-year-old and I'll be like on my second bag of candy. And my husband would be like, oh, like, you're eating that candy. And then I'm like, 
never open your mouth again. Like, and it's like not even like his intentions are bad. He was just like asking me a question, but I'm like, don't speak on what I'm putting in my mouth. Like never, never, never. Period. And even sometimes like when he like, even like last night when he ordered the salmon, I'm personally offended because I'm like, you are just better than me, aren't you? You know, it's like, I can't do that. So it's definitely like, it's definitely touch and go with husbands and partners just doing anything with food. It's like, it's like a lose-lose, honestly, for guys some, sometimes with when it comes to eating That's time. why I tell him just not to be, not to comment, not to be, you're not a part of it. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. I agree. Okay, my part, I don't know. I don't remember what my part two was for that question. So we're going straight <laughs> to the questions that people have written in for you. Okay. Well, this is kind of, we kind of cover this, but not really. How does your husband feel about Taylor Swift? Max? respects Taylor Swift, thinks she has some great bangers, some great bops. So he's, he, and he's come a long way. Like he loves the song Karma off the Midnight's album. He, mm. he would totally go to a Taylor Swift concert with me. I think what he dislikes more in these scenarios is me being so obsessed with Taylor Swift. I think like when I'm explaining it to him, like he's never like turned the song off. It's not good. He's like, can you stop talking and shut up so I can listen? So, you know, he definitely respects my queen Taylor. Otherwise it wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the respect is necessary. I will say though, when, when Midnight's came out, I was in LA alone and my husband was here and he was so happy because he knew that he would be listening to this album at midnight out loud when we were trying to sleep in our room. And he was just grateful that he didn't have to do that, that he could wait till the next day like a normal person. But no, not with me. Okay. What are your favorite songs from Midnight's? Wow. Everyone is just Swifty. Yeah, love that. Favorite songs from Midnight's. I'd say initially it was Antihero karma and bejeweled and i think those are like the Mm. obvious favorites now that i've had more time with the album i'm really vibing with you're on your own kid so good it's on Mm -hmm. repeat every day i love that and also would have could have should have iconic and i love hearing a little bit more country back from her love that yeah mine would have could have should have is up there for me i still like anti-hero but it's never been my favorite maroon and midnight Midnight. What, Midnight why am I rain. forgetting the second? Midnight, Midnight rain, rain and maroon uh-huh, are are my favorite for sure. Did you help Max pick out your engagement ring? Through and through, every single crevice detail <laughs> of it. this bad boy was by me. I even chose the final diamond. He got to choose the millimeter width of my band and and pick That's it up his when own it choice. was set. He only got a ratio of like 0. 0.4 to like 0. 0.7 or something. But look, that's just me. I know what I want. It's a huge purchase. I want to love it. Max had no, he had no sense of like, I want to do it myself. I like, so that we worked. He was like, great. I want to make you happy. This, I don't know nothing about diamonds. Of course he learned a lot and was a part of the process, but like I knew what I wanted and he was totally fine with that. On the other hand, like my brother just proposed to his girlfriend and she had nothing to do with it. He took so much pride. He chose the cut. Like he he wanted to do it all himself. So I think it depends on the couple. This worked for us. If it doesn't work for you, you know, whatever works. Totally. How did your relationship change dating versus married? 
our relationship itself hasn't really changed. I think we just have a sense of permanent togetherness now, which has been really nice. You know, you feel like, I feel like kind of wherever I am in the world, I have this like other half I'm kind of tethered to because that's like my partner in life that I've chosen. And I'd say it's that feeling that has been the most special is that our life is our life. We still remain a lot of independence. I have my own career. He has his own career. We frequently don't see each other a lot through the week with how much we travel and whatnot. But like, we love coming home and having our bed be our bed and not our own. What about you? Does that make sense? Do you get that? Yeah, that married? makes sense. Yeah, I like that. I would say definitely more togetherness. For me, it was more like now I like not check a box because I hate that phrase, phrase, but like I don't have to worry about my relationships part of my life. You know, there's like your career, your family, your friends, your relationships. And that, thank God, because of Steven is just like, it's done. Like, I don't, I really don't have to worry. He's so wonderful. Like, obviously I have to work on it. It's a muscle, but like, I can now focus on growing the other things even more so because I have like that foundation. So that's like what changed for me. I'm like, I don't need to, like, I just don't need to be concerned when it comes to my relationships, which I was for so many years. Okay. Last question. And then we're going to do some rapid fires. Somebody said that they're obsessed with you and how to put themselves in more situations to date without apps. More situations to date without apps. So it's been a while since I've been on the dating scene, but I would say that being places where you share similar interests with someone and would find someone that would be quality material. So probably not at a bar, Um, (laughs) probably at like a workout class or if you're at the dog park or I think also I'm someone who loves the idea of like mutual friends setting people up Yeah, because then you know already this person's vetted. They know someone I know. This person thinks we could be good together. It's like an added element that you can't get on the dating app. So I'm always trying to think about if my if I have friends who would be good with friends. So yeah, I think those are just a few quick, quick ideas. I love those. Also come to We Met at Acme events, obviously. Okay, we're going to do some rapid fire poll questions. These are just like quickie answers. Don't need to elaborate. Is giving someone your Instagram handle equivalent to giving someone your number nowadays? Yes or no? No. You intent unintentionally come across your significant other's journal or text where they disclose that in an alternate universe, they regret not spending their life with their high school fling and they'll hate watching them marry someone else. Dump them or confront them? Confront them. That's, that's wild. I like have PTSD from even reading that. <laughs> Um, You disagree on kids with your partner, neither 100%, but you lean one lean strongly. The perfect relationship otherwise. How long do you give it to work through or try to resolve it and see if someone changes their mind? Six months, one to two years, three to four years or four plus years? One to two years. Mm. I'm like, well, I'm like one week. Because um, like, I think I just, they, cause they said they weren't 100% on the one end of this line. So I think if right. you give them one to two years, it could change. But after two years, if they haven't changed, you got to get cracking. Agreed. Best friend finally meets boyfriend of 10 months that they didn't get a great first impression and think you can do better. Is that no big deal or is that a big deal? 
I think it's a big deal, but I have beef with this best friend that said that possibly depending on the situation. Mm. You are 31 and 32. You met three and a half months ago and he already bought a ring too soon or when you know, you know, too soon. Mm. How much younger are you willing to date? Let's say in an alternate universe where you haven't met Max one year, two to three years, four to five years. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like, I'm trying to imagine myself with a 24 year old. I could do it. 23 could do it. 22, 21. I would say it needs to be minimum tw- 22. Okay. So, so three, two, three years. Mm-hmm. Red flag or no big deal. If they haven't said, I love you after six months. Red flag. Mm. Every time you're on a girl's trip, your significant other finds a way to pick a fight. Red flag or deal breaker. Red flag. Mm. If you're planning on having kids, you want to be a stay-at-home mom. Yes or no? I think I'm going to be able to do both because I work for myself and I work at home. So I'll be at home. Love that. Okay. Two more. What's more true? Once a cheater, always a cheater or once a cheater on you, always a cheater on you. Aren't those the same thing? Oh, it's based. Oh, sorry. I get it. What it's saying. Like, like one person, like if someone cheats on someone, they'll cheat on everyone versus like yeah. if someone cheated on you, they'll cheat on you again, but not necessarily someone else. Once a cheater, always a cheater. Hmm. Amen, sister. When eating dinner with significant other during the week, do you usually sit at the table and talk or sit on the couch and watch TV? Mainly couch and TV, except some days when we haven't talked a lot. Like last night, I was like, can we eat at the table? And he said, yeah. There you go. Okay, one more. I lied. Five years into a relationship, you're struggling because there are times when you're not infatuated with your significant other or feeling very passionate about them or obsessed with them. You feel satisfied and content, but not as much fiery passion anymore. Are you falling out of love or are you adjusting to a long-term relationship? I think it's just a lull. It's going to come back. A secret answer, option three. (laughs) Amazing. Victoria, this is so much fun. Do you have a quote or piece of advice that you could leave our listeners with? Think less, post more. That's been my motto this week. But if you're not a content creator, I'd say just think less, do more. Love that. Where can everyone find you, follow you, and listen to your podcast? You can find me on every social at Victoria Brown with an E at the end. And my podcast is called Real Pod and Lindsay's coming on. So check that episode out. I can't wait. Also, I just realized that both of our married last names are a color with an E at the end. <laughs> iconic. Wait, what's that your last iconic. Wait, what's your married last name? Green with an E at the end. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. That. Wait, so at the beginning right. when I was like, and it's a color, so obviously were you like uh-huh. <laughs> I was dying. Okay. Love this. Love you. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.